0: This is a Radio.com original.
1: Sitting in Alaska oh. for five years, no rust. Wow. S- Great episodes. Thank you, man. <laughs> All right. so Very people good. stopping by and Thanks, talking man. to us. Don't forget to check
0: this out. You'll hear story. Because this like is where you podcast, hear the story. You can hear the whole uh, story.
1: Right now on uh, Talking About I'm Cars. I'm going to be here for
2: hours. Talking About
0: Cars. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to a new edition of the Talking About Cars podcast, where it's all about everybody has a car story. From celebrities to car personalities and more. I'm Randy Cardoon. We had such a good time with Tom Cotter from Barn Find Hunter at SEMA. He had such great stories, we're bringing him back for more. But first... It's the holiday season, and how do we get kids interested in classic cars, you may ask? Well, I asked for you. You get them interested at a young age. Take them to car shows. Let them see your excitement. One interesting gift we've come across comes from a member of our Talking About Cars family. We've had them on the show. I always consider our interviewees part of our family. It's Malibu's own Fireball Tim. Hey, Fireball, what was the best car-related gift you ever received?
3: Wow, that's that, man, that's it's a tough question. But I you know, I think that, that um uh you know, the only thing I ever wanted as a kid was die cast toys, die cast cars, whether they are Hot Wheels and Corgis, Dinkies, Matchbox, uh, and art supplies. So I, I think I liked the fact that I could play with the cars and then I could draw the cars. And so my my parents understood that, so that's kind of the only thing um I ever wanted. So you know we got Tonka trucks and, and that kind of stuff, but Anything that had wheels, I think, was a safe bet for me.
0: Of course, led to you eventually working on the art projects, and also eventually uh, designing some cars that were used in movies.
3: Yeah, well, and I, I think it started probably when I was a kid too, because I mean, I I, I went to school every day with a stack of, of index cards in my back pocket because I knew they were small enough I could sit in the back of the class and then I could draw uh, what were, what amounted to be themed cars. You know, a regular. Camaro, but it had rocket launchers coming out of the hood, or uh, anything where I could attach something cool to a regular car, um, and I would be drawing, doing drawings for friends, and and start to pass them around. They they kind of became the um, uh, the uh, trading cards of the of the uh, of my friends. You know, we would do sketches and kind of trade and and that kind of stuff. And and I'm basically just doing the same thing. So. Uh, for, but for movies so now i get to share them in a different way
0: and for those who don't know uh, fireball you uh, were responsible for the design on the first batmobile for the movies
3: that's correct that's correct way back in the day
0: how did that way come back. about
3: uh, well i was at school and there was a um, uh, a sheet on, you know in, in all the departments whether it was transportation or product or environmental or, or photography there was there was these boards uh, at the end of the school near the cafeteria and people would leave notes up on there and you could, you, could, you know, if there was job listings or if there was different things. And, and there was one, a sheet that said design a movie car and it had little cut out things with phone numbers on the bottom of it, just like you would rent a, uh, an apartment. And I thought, well, that's kind of strange. So and they were, None of them were taken, so I ripped one off and uh, made the call and I uh, uh, ended up talking to a guy with um, a very deep accent Which I couldn't necessarily identify, and and, uh, um, he said he needed some sketches for a potential uh, Batman movie that they were going to bring Batman back to the big screen, and I said sure I can do that, and uh, he said what would you charge? And I said I don't I don't know I and I'm still in school, so he goes how about two hundred fifty bucks. I said, "Great!" You know, I was like, <laughs> "Couldn't believe it! Like, I'm getting paid. You know, this is insane." Yeah. So, you know, I only did a few sketches, and uh, it ended up being Anton First, who is the uh, production designer for Batman. But they they hadn't greenlit the movie; um, they were just you know playing around with stuff. And I think part of what helped them to sell them on doing the movie was creating keyframe art, which I didn't know I was doing at the time. Uh, and I'm sure you know other other people had done some drawings of different things. So. Uh uh that's kind of how it came to be and you know it happened very quickly um I got paid very quickly uh uh, uh it was just one of those things but, but but about I don't know 8 to 10 months later uh, I got a call saying hey uh you know check this out and I I went down and saw um uh the car and uh and a lot of drawings and you know and and um uh uh not sketches but plan drawings and it blew my mind. It was like, that that's it. Because, you know, Sid Mead is a good friend of mine, and he, he kind of guided me uh, long before school. I met him many years before I went to Art Center. And I just wanted to do what he was doing. And he had done, you know, the uh, spinner for Blade Runner and, and Star Trek check The Motion Picture, Aliens, a lot of great films. Um, and I once I did that, I thought, oh, that's it. And I just couldn't get I couldn't figure out a way to get directly into the movies from school so I went and worked for Walt Disney Imagineering uh which was neat uh, for about 3 years and then went into entertainment after that.
0: So obviously the work you've done and just that started with just art supplies uh turned into quite a career.
3: Yeah, it was those two things. It was art supplies and cars themselves and uh you know many people say you know, Fireball, you're a car guy, and, and it's true to some extent, but I, I think that if you, in order to find your calling, you really have to distill what you love down to its hype, what we call a hyper niche. And a hyper niche is, is well, I love cars, but wh- what specifically about cars do I love? And, and there's people that say, well, I love Porsches. And I, I say, well, I'm sure you love Porsches, but that's even still a broader stroke. What is it about Porsches specifically and there's generally some kind of hyper niche within that connection, whether it's you know they're air cooled or whether it's a connection between his, his you know his, he and his dad built those cars as they were growing up, or uh, it's a design thing, it's a build thing, it's an interior thing, you know. To, so you you end up finding that hyper niche, and for me specifically, it was uh, theming, it was thematics. So. My strong point, I think my, my, you know, we all have superpowers, and I think my superpower specifically is the ability to theme things, whether it's a, a costume or a set or a, a weapon or a, a vehicle for film. And I just, I just prefer designing vehicles because of how they're used, um, and uh, it's just a lot of fun to be able to do that.
0: Talk about some of the other vehicles you've worked on and, and what's been really fun about putting that together.
3: Well, the the neat thing, you know, compared to working at a car company, you're you're in for the long haul. So you can start designing on a Cadillac or something and, and you're you're designing for it, you know, what amounts to almost a decade before you'll start to see, you know, that potential of that car on the road and it's a very docile uh version, variation of what you originally sketched. For the movies you um uh, there's really no rules. You know, there's, if a car has to jump from building to building like we did at Son of the Mask or if it's got to do something extreme, you don't have to worry about what, whether it actually has to function or not. So the turnaround time is very quick. I can be on a film for probably the longest I've ever been on a film is about nine months. And you can design a vehicle and the sketches will disappear and about maybe a month later you're sitting in it. And, you know, we did that for Escape from L.A. Um, we did it for Gone in 60 Seconds. We built uh, four, I think, four or five cars for that movie. Um, uh, you get a chance to work with a lot of really great creative people. So we did the cars for Austin Powers, for uh, Flintstones, um, uh, Green Hornet. Uh, uh, although I didn't work on the, the film that came out, the initial, the, the car, that they basically rehashed the car from the original series. I was working with Richard Donner years before that on a Green Hornet version where we were taking the same approach that we did with Batman. So we, we created a car that uh, was very extreme, very different than, than the original series and advanced version, kind of like, you know, George's Batmobile in relation to my 89 Batmobile. So, uh, uh, you get, you know, you do a lot of films that, that get out there and then, and then, then unfortunately you do a lot of films that don't make it, you know, so, uh, I did a really fun film called Six Cities that never made it to screen and designed a ton of cars for that. It was basically Mad Max meets uh, Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we get to get to do a lot of interesting stuff.
0: With all the movies you mentioned, that's a lot of creative cars and a ca- lot of cars that people hear the names of that movie, like Austin Powers. I mean, was one of, y- one of them your baby, or did you get a chance to work on a bunch of them? In, let's say, Austin
3: uh, Powers. A bunch, a bunch, because it's it's really... The interesting thing about working on a film, um, you know, whether it's Escape from LA, which we did a lot of this, Austin Powers was that way, is that you come in one day and, and you're working on a car. The next day you might be working on weaponry. The next day it's a submarine. The next day it's a set or a keyframe. The next day you might be storyboarding. And you're doing this for nine months. So you're, you get your mitts in a little bit of everything um, because – in, in rarely are you on a film by yourself. You know, there's no other illustrators. There, you know, they generally are a team. But for Escape from LA, I got a chance to work directly with John Carpenter on storyboarding, and there was only a couple of guys, mostly storyboard guys. So most of the design work uh, with Larry Paul was uh, stacks and stacks stacks of renderings of uh, of what Snake, you know, would uh, would look like. I, you know, designed all the weapons and what his clothing looked like, uh, even did variations of his tattoo on his, on his chest, on his stomach. Um, you, know, that it, you, just, you work on a lot of different things, so your, your repertoire, your ability to design and apply thematics to any given thing uh, gets very strong. So as an example, uh, I have a film coming out called Artemis Fowl, and uh, I did a lot of weapons for that initially uh, that weren't necessarily in the book, and we had to come up with a weapon, uh, and I'm not sure they actually use it because the movie hasn't come out yet, and I'm not really sure exactly what they've done because I wasn't working at a studio when I did that film. Mm-hmm. But we had to come up with a weapon that was uh, effective and interesting that, but didn't kill people. So I came up with an idea of a gun that was called an emo gun, which, uh, which we referenced as an emotional disruptor. So in order to get rid of the, the bad guys, you would shoot with them with this gun, and they would they would become emotionally unstable. So they would either start crying, or they would start laughing, or they would start um, you know uh, hitting each other, or or they would uh, become depressed and they couldn't function properly. So, Just
0: like the Joker, if you will.
3: Uh yeah yeah, yeah I suppose like, kind of like Oh, okay uh, so so but for kids and they were they were they were basically high tech um, uh, what looked like super soakers. But with you know with uh um, you know the the uh, uh the paint guns, the paint guns, but shooting large large spheres of this liquid that would hit them and splatter, and uh, they had kind of a um uh, a steampunk look to them, so you know we'll see what the what the movie looks like. Disney tends to go through a lot of iterations of things, so um, we'll see what happens when it comes out.
0: You talk about interesting cars. Uh, I need to get your opinion of the Elon Musk truck, which uh, has been spotted around Southern California, uh, like the 405 freeway, driving around.
3: You know, the, the thing about that is that people tend to, um, to really react emotionally to, to things like that instead of thinking from, or so trying to look at it from a higher vantage point. And we do that a lot as a, as a society. Um, and there's been a lot of negativity about the truck and that it's uh, so extreme, and for you know a lot of different reasons. But I think that if you try to look at it from from a higher vantage point and saying, here's here's a guy that has almost the ability to do anything he wants, um, literally, and he instead of from the vantage point of well, everyone's going to like this, and this is going to sell well, and this is going to be successful. It's more, it's more he's doing it because he really thinks it's cool. It's the same reason that he made the Tesla logo glow on the back of the car because it's just something that, that would be fun to look at and is really cool. Now, the proof in, you know, in, in just a few days, he gets 250,000 orders for this truck. Obviously, it's something that's, that's interesting enough. Um I I try to hold my opinion back until I've actually physically seen the car and experienced it. Right. I, I think that that anybody that um that hates the truck with a passion <laughs> if they were standing on the street corner and the truck drove by or I drove up to them and said, "Hey, you want to ride?" they would jump in in a hot second and go like, "Holy crap. This is this is uh, this is incredible."
0: Uh-huh.
3: You know, so you know, it's really about that personal experience. It's kind of like you know, going to see Transformers, and you walk out of the movie and say, "Wow, what a piece of crap that was. Or you go with Michael Bay, and you sit next to him as he explains why he made this movie and what he did. You would come out with a sense of appreciation that you didn't have going in without that. So I think it's important to reserve judgment and reserve criticism, not you know, realizing that you know, the more you put criticism out there, the more it comes back to you anyway. So, I would rather just, you know, reserve judgment until I, I can sit in the car, see it for myself. Um, I respect the fact that he he took an enormous chance, and uh, I, I respect anybody who's willing to do that. Um, and I, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see, you know, how it evolves.
0: And if I understand you correctly, we should all go with Elon Musk to go buy one, so yes. we experience it with him.
3: Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can, we're selling tickets right now. <laughs> Get in line. Yeah, yeah.
0: it'll be fun. So, really, the,
3: the line will go all the way from you know from Tesla all the way up into Malibu. So uh, uh I would get your tickets soon.
0: Well, he's only asking a hundred bucks, right, for the down payment.
3: Well, yeah, and he's only asking thirty grand for the truck. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not it's not like the truck is a is a concept car that's you know that's one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Here's a truck that virtually anybody can afford. And, you know, my question is, is it going to come in colors or is it going to always be uh, Back to the Future Steel? You know, so um, I just, you know, I I look online at all my friends that are concept artists and everybody's doing their version of it. Um, You know, whether it's a Back to the Future version or whether it's a, uh, it flies or it's a submarine. And it's, you know, it's creating a stir. And that's what a game changer does. Absolutely. uh, You know, and I think we need that. I think we're stuck in a rut.
0: Um, Do you it, think that's it, what the truck's going to look like by the time the uh, the safety people are done with it? Uh,
3: that's a good question. Um, you know, there's...
0: Because how many times have we seen a car look really great in its concept form, but then yeah. eventually by the time we see it, it's it's watered down or it's a little more normal looking, if you will?
3: Yeah. I, I think if, if anybody can, can shift the mindset of that, it would be Elon. You know, this guy is doing what Tucker couldn't do, what, what no boutique company could ever do. And he is doing it in such a way that is affecting everyone. I mean, uh, uh, a friend of mine who is a spokesman for general motors says our, our, you know, GM's future is electric. And they're saying that because of Elon, and they will acknowledge that. So if, if, you know what it's, if there's if there's a person out there that can shift the rules not not to where they he's trying to get away with something but shift the rules so that he can maintain a a level of coolness that is uh maintains the excitement about something um then you know he's the one to be able to do that you know I don't know if you saw the new tahoe that just came out but you know there's getting it's getting a lot of flack because uh uh of what it looks like, you know, and, and there's just a lot of people out there that hate it and some people that say it's okay, but I haven't heard anybody say, Wow And I, I think when you when you think about the Cyber truck, you're like, holy crap, I, I'm not even sure how to feel about this. Look at look at this thing. It's it's weird, it's it's edgy, it's massive, uh, it's affordable. Um, it's like driving a concept car, you know, and I, I think that, that whether you love it or hate it you have to
0: respect it. Fireball Tim joining us here on the Talking About Cars podcast and, of course, it being the holiday when we record this. Uh, your artwork has also led to something fun, which really isn't restricted, I don't believe, to just the holiday period. I mean, it's you have taken your love of cars and your love of art and you've kind of commingled them and it's come out with a nice collection of coloring books. Tell us about that.
3: Uh, they're, they're a lot of fun. You know, the thing is, it was always a challenge of mine to try to find a way to put uh, art and cars together, um, and it was really the impetus of my wife saying, hey, you should do a coloring book, and I just, you know, I, I decided to run with that so that uh, my art can actually be someone else's art, you know, and it, that's the way it works. So, you know, if you ta- if you buy one of these books and you color it in, uh, the kids would, would rip it out of the book and put it up on the fridge, and their, the parents would be proud of them for being able to color Stay um,
0: between the lines.
3: Yeah, you know, okay. and, and or not, or not, you or know? not. <laughs> you yeah, know? but I think what separates our books is is the the Hollywood inspired um, uh, ideology, and that is that it's not interesting for me to do. A, we just came out with a Volkswagen bus book. Now, uh, it's not interesting to do you know twenty pages of just Volkswagen buses every year. You know, that's that's all they are. Is that it's more interesting to me that that if if a if um, uh Marty and Doc had a back to the future bus. What would that look like or if if there was a bus in Jurassic Park or if there was a submarine bus? you know, I just like once again creating thematics like movie cars, and that's what these books are filled with they're they're very unique and fun and whimsical um And uh, uh, certainly people are enjoying them. So uh, we're having a great time creating them.
0: Now you have, I believe you have Chevys, you have Fords, you have all sorts of other brands. How many different books do you have right now?
3: We have 22. And uh, we have, uh, uh, let's see, as far as car books, we have Mustangs, uh, Corvettes, Surfwoodies. We just came out with the uh, V-Dub buses, uh, custom cars. Uh, and then on deck is uh, the next book is Hollywood movie cars, which we're going to do three volumes of. Uh, but we're also this year we're going to do Camaro and Volkswagen uh, uh, Bugs, and uh, I think Mini Coopers. So we have a, a five-year plan, you know. So we we, we have about uh, six books we do a year and. Uh, we, you know, a lot of people come up with different ideas. Um, but the, the V-Dub Bus book that just came out is the most unique one because it incorporates uh, smart book technology for the first time. And those are um, uh, QR codes that are opposite the the coloring page. So as you're drawing, you can take your cell phone and you can scan the QR code and you can watch a cool video that has to do with the sketch itself. So you'll see all kinds of, Fun stuff, and, and sometimes it might be a vlog, uh, one of the vlogs that we shot, or it might be a, a video of something funny. Um, but it's uh, it's all put up together by McCull- um, uh, McCartney Multimedia, which is part of the Paul McCartney clan. And uh, that's their company, and, and they created this smart, smart book tech for, for a first time for a coloring book.
0: Tell us where you can get them.
3: Uh, they're all available on Amazon. So you can go to Amazon, type in Fireball Coloring Books, and you'll see a whole host of them. And um, uh, they're 699, so they're very cheap uh, with a high usage value. So you, you get to hang out with your kids and, and spend uh, the holidays together. Uh, we will be doing a Santa coloring book uh, next year, which is uh, tentatively Santa's garage. So all the different unique sleighs that you might experience in his garage. And he's got tons. trust me.
0: <laughs> so I hear, so I hear. And you Good. also have them at, uh, I guess some museums too.
3: Uh, right, the the books are available at the Peterson, um, at the, um, uh, what's the French car museum up in Oxnard, uh, the Mullen. Mullen, yeah, um, yeah, they're, they're actually available in fifty uh, car museums around the country, including our museum, uh, the Murphy Auto Museum up in Oxnard.
0: So there's a lot of places in California to get them. These are actually fun because, like I said at the top, it's it's more than just. Give them to the kids and let them get interested in cars, which is a good way to do it. But you know, some car people who just want something to do want to go back in time, kind of work on some design coloring. Sure. I mean, you can have all sorts of fun with that.
3: It's true. It's not you know, and the, the number one question I get uh, all the time is, "Well, are these for kids or for adults?" And I, the answer is always yes. So the, the thing is that that I think I don't think we we respect kids enough to understand. Of their abilities to to um, uh, to be creative and they they're creative in a way that we're not because we put a lot of limitations on our our abilities whether we can draw whether we can't kids just do it they don't even think about it so you know they color they add within the lines and things like that but I think that adults would really enjoy these books because they do they are relatable to the older generation of us being 50 and above uh, with a lot of the, the designs in there are from, you know, very famous movies that have existed and, and classics and and a lot of interesting things that we're into uh, that maybe a 20 or a millennial wouldn't necessarily be into, um, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, TV shows we grew up with, whether they're Starsky and Hutch and Munsters or whether they're, you know, whatever they are. So uh, I think that uh, so far, you know, when, when we go to a show and we sell the books at shows, Um, what tends to happen is uh, people in their uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s will buy several books, one for for their nieces or nephews or, or grandkids, and one for them.
0: Fireball Tim Lawrence. Again, you can get those car coloring books on Amazon. They have all of them, and there's more to come. Now. Tom Cotter, part two. The host of Barn Fine Hunter gave us a bunch of cool car stories in last week's part one at SEMA. In fact, we even had some people in the audience that were walking by ask him questions. Hot Rod Bob and I pick up our conversation with Tom talking about taking his own son for a ride.
1: Now, when I drove my Woody across the United States, my son was in junior high school, and I took him on the surf and safari that I never got to go on. So we drove my Woody, and, you know, it shakes a lot. Woody's... Yeah. And so... A, bolt, a body bolt fell out. So I I was like ten miles from wooden car and I went to Signal yes. Hill. I said, Can I buy a screw and a nut? I said, Oh, you're Tom Carter. Yeah, take whatever you need. So and yeah. yeah. well, you, you gotta look at Doug's car. He's 34 Woody with a built-in roll cage. cage.
2: Yeah, and that's how he keeps it from shaking apart. <laughs> and you broke
1: down with the car with a woody a few times. Well you I had really a flat so, tire. No, I think the clutch one time you have, you were having trouble at one point. You said I, it, it's automatic.
2: No, not no with the clutch. You have some kind of problem with the car, then you have to st- stay overnight at the
3: place. That when you
1: well, the front down. end gave me some problems. A bolt broke off the front drive system, and and uh, they hold the air conditioner in place. One and that time,
3: yes, I remember that. Yeah,
1: so, no, and what I what had a flat.
2: You still have the buggy spring for you? You're new? good.
1: Nah, it's all TCI. Okay, the Mustang. Well, what TCI too. does yeah. the buggy spring chassis, too. Oh no, still, but love, this is all up Well, thank you. Truth, uh, thank you, man. That. You watch it too? Absolutely. Well, thank you. You're First, in Canada?
2: Winnipeg Canada, you bet. not only cars, the charisma. Okay,
0: so do you have a question for. Ask me oh, okay. any question you want, really? man. Very cool. All right, so thank you.
1: You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Brian Johnson? Yes. Are you with ACDC? <laughs> <laughs> we got people that's, that's coming up to the counter here, here at Moon
2: Eyes. So this is o. N. Uh, it's, 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 it's so O.N. It's a on and this is. of course
0: people are taking I pictures know. of them that during our podcast. So
2: during the podcast. podcast. We're right in the aisle way here. People are walking I'm on by, the radio by where, where as you can so hear in the background. Alaska probably episode, on, I think he's taking over the show. Oh,
1: there was a guy we met who collected Broncos who stripped the paint paint off a quarter panel of a Bronco. So, it's like one of his projects. He stripped the paint off it chemically. So, it was raw metal. Sitting in Alaska, oh. for five years, no rust. Really? He lives in Interior Alaska, Fairbanks, and Pretty it's like dry. an Arctic desert. Yeah. And he said it snows and it evaporates. It's like being in Arizona. Gee. No rust. Those cars were killer. Wow, S- great episodes.
0: Thank you, man. <laughs> All right, for so people good. stopping by Thanks, and talking man. to us. Don't forget to check this out. You'll hear because this is time. where you Podcast,
2: hear the story. You can hear the whole story we're doing right now on uh, talking about I'm gonna cars. be here for hours talking about cars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this Thank might you. be a seven part episode. I yeah, don't we
1: know. don't know the way things well. are going. This is great. All right, so what else can I talk about? Wayne Corrine a friend, uh, but every car he finds, finds. Yeah. He said in Eric Books. He he, he he gets, you know, people call him. I sure. got this, I got that. My sure. father died, I got the car. Sure. And then he buys and sells. So to keep my show different than his show, I try not to take any leads. Sometimes they're too good not to take a lead. But I try to go down the road and find them the old-fashioned way, before the Internet, you yeah. know, before all that stuff. So I just try. If I find a car in your driveway, I talk to you about it. And then before I leave, I say, well, do you know any other car guys? Oh, yeah, it was a guy down the block. I just was in Traverse City, Michigan, and found a uh, uh, like a 52 XK120 Jag Roadster the guy's had since high school. Right. And just before I left, we did the filming and all that stuff. It was just on two weeks ago. I said, do you know any other old cars around? He said, the guy across the street's got an XK150 Jag in the oh. barn. I literally drove my car across the street. The drone followed me. Yeah. And that guy had a Jag that was made on the same plant three years later. What's the chance of that happening? Wow. You know? So, uh, car guys know car guys. And, you know, I feel that car guys, like, I don't know your guy, you guys at all, but we're friends. And those guys up there, if they're car guys, we just haven't met everybody, but... Car guys are automatically friends. It's just amazing. Well, and then in Six degree of Separation, we talk about a lot of times
2: where you'll know someone that knows someone that we know, but we've never met.
0: And it's exactly. one of those things. where, yeah.
2: And here at this show at SEMA, we find a lot of that. We've yeah. had people walk up, hey, Bob, yeah. how you doing? Or how, hey, Randy, what's going on? We go, who's that? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. But they know us from someplace else.
1: Yeah. Or yeah. someone else. I, I wouldn't want to be part of any fraternity in the world besides a car. I love it. it. great community. No, I love it. And it doesn't matter if you're a drag race guy or a show yep. car guy, original guy. We all speak the same language. You, know? a,
0: you obviously want to get rid of some of your cars. Now, are there any cars out there that you Wanna still... Want to buy? <laughs> Let me say rid of. Give me, everybody has the list, the top five list or 10 or whatever list of cars you want someday that you have, don't have right now?
1: No, I, there's none. There's none. none. I have a Coburn.
0: Everybody but Tom Cotter has because a Because he already
1: bought it. Oh, I have, a, I have it. a 32 Ford Highboy. I'm, I'm, right. I'm going to get to 20 before you know it. I might be there
0: now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> before he's, you, know, you leave. Before yeah. he leaves, yeah.
1: like,
2: the Morris Minor will be gone, the one with the coat off top, and he's going to have a 32 in the garage.
0: Well, you said 17 cars plus the wheels in I th- row?
1: Th- yeah. So let me say... I have a Cobra, and that's like, i wanted that since I'm 10 years old, and now I was lucky enough 20 years ago to buy one. Um, a car that I've dreamed about owning was a Cunningham. Cunningham, yeah. it was a wealthy guy named Brees Cunningham who wanted mm-hmm. to go to Le Mans, 24 hours Le Mans, yes. and win Le Mans with an American car and American drivers. And this is going back when Americans didn't run yeah. Le Mans. So, he went there in 1950, with two Cadillacs. He wanted to run a Fordalac, which was a square-body Ford with a Cadillac motor, built by a guy named Bill Frick on Long Island. But the, the organizer said, look, you can't have a, a GM-powered Ford that doesn't homologate, It's not. Yeah. it doesn't work. So he went there with two Cadillacs, um, model 61s, yep, with three tops. on the tree. Uh, I think they had five carburet, he put five carburetors, yeah, five yeah. one-barrels. He ran one with a stock body, which was a fastback, and the other car, he had the body taken off, and Grumman engineers on Long Island in Bethpage okay. built an aluminum body, it was god-awful ugly, yeah. called Le Monster, the yeah. French called it the Monster. And they finished 10th and 11th at the 1950 Le Mans. He said, oh my God, if I build a purpose-built car rather than these Cadillacs. So they said you have to build 25 streetcars to race at Lamar, So, mine is the second of the 25 streetcars. Wow. I found it in a basement in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, gee. It's something I dreamed about owning, but how do you find one of 25? No. I mean, it's... that's less than a Ferrari GTO. They made 36, uh, 39 GTOs, and I was looking for one of 25, and I found one, like holy crap. So, if you want to know the, the best barn find of my life, it's not the three AC Cobras I found, or the Ferrari 275, it's the Cunningham, the Cunningham. because uh, not the guy didn't want to sell it until he realized I was so serious about owning a car like this uh, that that I was the right guy to own it, and he passed it, he let me have it. So I mean, you know, uh, I paid, I I paid a fair amount of money, but I'm going to show you a picture of Cunningham.
2: But yeah, but the Cunningham, I mean, that's that's American legend.
1: Oh
0: yeah, they so, actually had one here two years ago. Like right that was mine. That was okay, yeah, mine. yours? Okay, yeah, yeah, we saw that. So.
1: This is me racing at Lime Rock. Yep.
2: That's beautiful.
1: So it's got a 331 Chrysler Hemi with four single-barrel Zenas. It's got a three-speed Cadillac gearbox. uh, Made in West Palm Beach, Florida. And then the chassis was shipped to Torino, Italy, where Vignali built an Italian body. So it's an American hot rod with an Italian body. What could be better than that? Beautiful machine. So I've taken this to, I've done hill climbs with it. I've road raced it. Next summer, Haggerty wants me to bring it to a vintage drag race. I've had it at Concours d'Elegance. I've had it at Rat Rod shows. I've toured with it. It's like the perfect car. And it's it's not a restored car. Yeah, I bought it flat black. That's it's just the way it was. Yeah. So I I bought it. I don't think I'm going to restore it. I rebuilt it mechanically though. It had been sitting for a half a century. The brakes lines were all rotted out and stuff. I rebuilt the motor. But all stock.
2: They remind me a lot of uh, there was a Ferrari at the time. Two twelve.
1: Yeah. Same. If you Looks look like at a the Ferrari tr- two twelve yeah. in this. Yeah. They, it's like a miniature. Yeah,
2: Randy and I were at the Peterson Museum when they had one upstairs there a couple of years I'm ago. Let's see if I have a picture of the Ferrari so you could see it. Because uh, I had a picture taken. Folks, you're going
1: to have to look up on the internet for Ferrari. and okay, take a look at them. There's Leno. I <laughs> so, I had a second Cunningham. <laughs> And I sold it to Leno. That's it. Okay. He, he restored it on his yep. show. Um, you know, I don't know how to picture of the Ferrari, but if you look up Ferrari 212 yeah. and Cunningham C3 Vignali, mm-hmm.
3: they, they are yeah.
1: they're kissing cousins. Well, yeah. and unfortunately,
3: well,
2: um, Cunningham had a, had a great museum down in the San Diego area and, and shut right that out down. of Long Beach.
1: Yeah, was it out of Long Beach? Or towards uh, the, it, was, it was like it was within a mile or two of the. Uh, Spruce Goose and, the, and Queen right, Mary. Uh, Long Beach. Yeah. They,
2: they sold off the cards. They closed the museum
1: down. Let, Let me. They, uh, there's a happy, wait, engine to that, happy okay. ending to that story. Good. I I, I can go until 10 o'clock. <laughs> uh, Briggs Cunningham was a wealthy guy. His father was a banker who invested in two guys that had a floating bar of soap. One was Procter and one was Gamble. Oh. And his father was the original investor in Procter & Gamble. So Briggs Cunningham was born and never had yep. to work. So he sailed and he raced. Yes. Two of his original driving uh drivers that he drove he drove, but Miles Collier and Sam Collier drove for him. Yep. As did John Fitch yep. and Walt Hanskin and all these guys. Anyway, they were original Cunningham racers and they'd race at Watkins Glen with him, they'd race at Lamar with him. Miles Kyer wound up dying of leukemia as a young guy. Now the Kyers were wealthy, 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 wealthy. They lit. If you go to Naples, Florida, it's Kyer County. Okay, that's how wealthy. That's yeah. Is,
3: okay? wealthy yeah, Yeah. So
1: Miles Kyer wound up dying as, as about a 35-year-old of leukemia, and his brother Sam Kyer died racing a Ferrari, a cutting at Ferrari, Watkins Glen. Mm. Okay. Well, there was still lots of family money. Well, Miles Kyer's son. Miles Collier Jr.
2: Yeah.
1: Became a car enthusiast, raced Porsches. When Briggs Cunningham decided to sell his collection, Miles Collier bought the whole thing. Great. He bought the whole thing for $14 million. Wow. He sold the Bugatti Royale for $13 million. Uh huh. Got all the rest of the cars for nothing. So he opened up the Miles Collier Museum, and now it's called the Revs Collection in Naples, Florida, and all Briggs Ah. Cunningham's cars are on display there. That's great to hear. There's the happy ending. Now, did, did Mullen buy the uh, Bugatti? That you know, was so long ago. I don't know. Who, you know who bought it? No, I, I know who bought it. I thought that Tom Monahan from Do, Domino's Pizza bought it, but he bought another one. Yeah. Anyway, there were six six Royales built. Yeah. And I've seen all six of them around the world, and I've ridden in one. Now, here's another story. Okay. I rode in one of the Bugatti Royales <laughs> with Daryl Waltrip uh-huh what? That's how does that work yeah anyway it's a long story did you put a tide box on it
2: i have <laughs> a story about that
1: too but i won't go there <laughs> exactly
0: exactly so you have more episodes i'm sure upcoming one came out today okay
1: and if if your listeners uh can go to youtube and and go to uh youtube barn find hunter episode 67 hit today It's okay. another montana episode so we're trying to hit eventually we're gonna hit all 50 states we've been to alaska I think February we're going to go to Hawaii, which would be pretty cool. Uh, I don't know if I this barn finds before. Hawaii, but yeah, we'll see. So
0: yeah, I was going to say, what states are left?
1: I don't know. I haven't counted them. But we go, we'll go back to states. Sure. You know, yeah, we'll go back. We're not being very methodical about it. It's For like a whatever. Cars are. Dartboard. What's that? Dartboard. Dart. It's going like- we're going to do that. Yeah. Oh. I'm going to blindfold myself, throw it. Another thing we're going to do is, I'm going to be flying across the United States, and you, you look down 33,000 feet. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to say. To the flight attendant, excuse me. Can you find out from the pilot what town we're flying over? <laughs> and I'm going to go to that town and look for cars. I, I oh, wow. you know, I can imagine. It. You think about when you fly across country, if you've
2: ever done it at night, you will see patches of lights. Yeah. yeah, yeah and you, yeah. you know, go.
1: Okay, that's out in the middle of nowhere. How did it get there? Yeah. And what stories can be? Because so those are flyover states. Yep. What I'm trying to do is land and go to. You know, everybody's flying from New York to California. I'm okay. going to. I'm going to Iowa, Nebraska. You know, those places. It's
0: gotta be very cool to have Haggerty just helping you along with that. <laughs> That's great.
1: So they, I've written 18 books, and 10 of them about barn finds. And they called me up said, we like your books, we'd like to try a video, would you mind? I said, no, I think I'd like to do that. So my photographer is over there, Michael Allen Ross. Okay. And we've done five books together. We've done five books together. We did the Model T trip across the United States. Yeah. We did a Route 66 book art across the United States. Uh, barn find road trip through Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania we did the Detroit book together and a
0: rock and roll book together Tom Cotter, not the comedian although he is pretty funny I'm talking about the host of Barn Find Hunter on YouTube and of course his coffee table books there's a lot of those, I have a few of them myself you can get those also on Amazon or at your local bookstore hey thanks for listening and please share our show on social media subscribe, it's absolutely free leave a comment and if you're on iTunes rate us Five stars, hopefully, and review us. Thank you in advance for helping our podcast grow. Our website is TalkingAboutCars.net. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And again, remember to subscribe, share, retweet, or both. Until next time, for Hot Rod Bob Beck, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join us as we have some fun talking about cars.